You are listening to the Midtown Church Podcast, a ministry that exists to make Jesus known. The last couple weeks have been interesting for me as I have been doing a lot of looking back and remembering uh, sometimes what we might call the good old days, and I think, I think it's dangerous sometimes to look back and remember the good old days, but there's, I think there's a, a place and a time to reflect and to take stock of where, where we were, maybe where we are today. <clears throat> Have you ever done that? Um, it, it seemed like I was reflecting on times when my affections for God was alive and my mind was quick to learn and eager to walk in the truth. Um, I was remembering times where I almost experienced something of the practice of the presence. You ever read Brother little book on Brother Lawrence? Just this beautiful sense of God being near. Um, but then life happens, right? Life, life happens and things get busy. God's voice fades or, or does it? Maybe it's just my heart growing cold or Jesus is being crowded out because of busyness by other things, and some are good things, but never the best things. And pursuing them has a way to leave me empty and unsatisfied. I was reflecting yesterday on this text in Isaiah Listen to the Lord's invitation when he says, Is anyone thirsty? Come. Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come. Take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. And I'm reading from the NLT intentionally here. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. The invitation is to come. Come to him. Um, I know it's not supposed to be so when you're a pastor, but... I, I must confess that being a pastor, often I have no time to hear God. I feel like I'm a little bit at a, like I'm at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting this morning. <laughs> Hi, my name's Pat Sabell, and I'm a pastor. And there are times when I have no time to hear God. There, got it out. Are you appalled? You shouldn't be. But shame on me. And you're 
not a pastor, but you could say this morning in the same Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, hi, I'm this, and my life is so crazy, I have no time to hear God. Well, I pray that this morning as we look at God's Word and at this commandment, we, we would receive something from the Lord. So far we've seen in the first three commandments, the first one that we're to love God and love Him only. And then in the second commandment that we're to worship Him, worship him in a way that He alone has prescribed. And last week we talked about taking up his name and the reality of that name, walking in a manner worthy of that name. And so today as we look at the fourth commandment, would we see this as God's word to us, given for our blessing and to shape our Christian walk, that this commandment is given to us so that we might learn to stop, to come to him, and to rest in his presence because God is always speaking. God is not trying to hide his voice from you. He is a speaking God. So our text this morning from Exodus 20 verses 8 to 11 says this, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner, sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is the word of the Lord. Now this fourth commandment was given by God to Moses and it was calling God's people to remember the Sabbath day. Now, this is a call to look back to a reality that was already set in place by God in Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 to 3. This commandment is not a new, it's not new to Moses and to Moses' day. God created, in Genesis we read, and then rested. He rested not because he was tired from creating everything, but because all that he had made was complete, was finished, and so God rested. I like what it says at the very end of chapter 1 of Genesis, verse 31, it says, and God saw everything. God looked over everything that he'd made, and and God saw everything that he made, and behold, or he saw that it was very good. So God creates everything, And God looks over everything that he'd made and he sees it and he says, this is very good. Now, in the Old Testament, there are two Hebrew words for rest. 
The first word is Shabbat, Shabbat, which means stop working. And the second word is Nuach, which means to dwell or to settle. And we see both of these Hebrew words in this Genesis 2 chapter, chapter of Genesis 2. Genesis 2 verses uh, 2 to 3 says this, on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. It's an interesting thought to me that after every other day that God creates, we read these words, and there was evening and there was morning the first day, and there was evening and there was morning the second day, and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. But here, there is no such end to the seventh day because the seventh day continues. After God had created everything, he rested and he continues to rest. He continues to Sabbath. This doesn't mean that he isn't working for we know that he upholds the universe, he sustains the universe by the power of his word and that apart from him, literally everything would fall apart, would it not? But he rested from creating. When a job is done perfectly, why not rest? And then he creates man, he creates man that he might live with him he creates man that man would share in his rest and enjoy his perfect creation. So God creates Adam and Eve and he rests them or he settles them. There's this word nuach in the garden in verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And there they were to imitate the God who rests as God walked with them in the cool of the day and as they lived in God's presence. So prior to the fall, in Genesis chapter one and two, prior to the fall, God's people, Adam and Eve, are living in God's place, the Garden of Eden, under God's rule, where they enjoy continued blessing. God walks with them, God talks with them, Everything is perfect. No concern about where your next meal is coming from. There's no big bills to be paid. Everything ran flawlessly in the presence of God and in the presence of God there was fullness of joy. No stress, no blisters, no backaches. You name it, there was none of it. Sinclair Ferguson a good old Scottish preacher, says this. He says, the Sabbath was not inaugurated at Mount Sinai, but in the Garden of Eden. The giving of the Ten Commandments contained a deliberate echo of the pattern that God had given to Adam and Eve. He had worked for six days in bringing creation into being. They were his image, and therefore, he had made provision for them to imitate him. 
So therefore, so he therefore blessed the seventh day and set it apart from the other days. In Genesis 1, 2 verses 1 to 3, as we just read, it was not only the seventh day, it was the rest day. A day free from work, a day to bless and call holy just as God himself had done. A day to reflect on and enjoy the wonders of God and to worship him for them. Well, we know that it doesn't take long before everything is broken and tainted by human sin. Ever since the fall, God has been calling his people back to fellowship with him. And he desires that we would enter this perfect Sabbath day rest. And so Exodus, this commandment, Exodus 20 verses 8 to 11, was to remind God's people that this is what they were created for. And although sin had entered the world, God was still calling them to set aside a day of rest to remember him. Now, there's another place in Scripture where we see this commandment as well. And it's a slight variation from the one we just read. And it's in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy means the second law or the law once over. Listen what, what the text says in Deuteronomy 5, 12 to 15. And it's up on the screen. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant, your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servants and your female servants may rest as well as you. Then, then we read this. And you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Now, Genesis, the Genesis, the Exodus text is, text is referring us back to creation, and this Deuteronomy text is grounded in our deliverance from slavery, the people of God's deliverance from Egypt. God's people were to set apart a day to rest, doing this, remembering that they were once slaves. But God, it was God who brought them out of Egypt with a mighty hand so that they are no longer under the rule of the taskmaster. They would have all been there when, I, th I think it's in Exodus 15 or 16 or somewhere there, somewhere there, um, uh, where uh, the horse and the rider was hurled into the sea and all of Pharaoh and his armies were drowned and they saw all of that wonder take place. And for the first time in 400 years, they were free from the taskmaster. There's no rest for a slave, is there? It's, it's not an option. The, the people of God enslaved for 400 years. There wasn't a day off. There's no such thing as a day off ever. You, you live at the beck and call of the taskmaster. I was thinking about this this week, and 
think that we often live like we're in slavery. We often live as if we have taskmasters. We know what life is meant, it's meant to be different. We know that we are created for something more than the rat race and the strong will of the taskmaster. We know we should rest and remember God who brought us out of slavery. But many of us are still ruled by, by maybe one or maybe two, maybe more. I think in our day, a taskmaster, a present taskmaster is is busyness, our worry, our hurry, our fast pace, it's killing us. Slow down, man. Don't even know how, do we? These are Jesus' words in Matthew 6. Listen to what he says. Don't worry about everyday life. And I had to use in the NLT one more time. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, don't, don't worry. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your, your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you for, far more valuable than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And, and, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why, why do you have so little faith? D don't worry. Don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? I love this. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. What's dominating your thoughts? But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. And here's this brilliant advice but seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek it above all else. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Paul writing in Philippians to the church at Philippi says this, do not be anxious about anything. Oh, easier said than done, thank you very much. Does anyone else agree? Come on. And then there's another taskmaster, the taskmaster of legalism. So, some are, you, you got like a, a rhythm, but often it's like, it, it's, it's, it's more like the Pharisee. It's more like going through the motions than it is with, about being with God and having a Sabbath rest in His presence. A legalist is, is mechanical. It's a go-through-the-motions type person. You, you feel good about yourself because you're doing 
the stuff and yet your soul is disengaged. The wonder and the awe is gone. It's, it's kind of like this mechanical thing is kind of like paint by numbers. Like, which would you prefer, your kid to give you a painting painted by numbers or your kid to give you a painting and said, Dad, I spent three hours painting this for you and there certainly isn't between the lines at all, but it's unbelievable. Or that anniversary card that somebody purchased at Shoppers Drug Mart for $15.99. And all they put on the bottom was their name. Come on. Take your lighter and burn that baby. But you get that scribble, that thing that's under your pillow, and it's 35 years, and it says, I wouldn't trade a day. I love you to bits. Every moment being with you, oh, doesn't that do something to you? Maybe you don't know because you haven't made it 35 years. (laughs) You're doing it, but as a taskmaster, it's it's doing it. Rather than, than the enjoyment and the wonder and the awe of resting in his presence. See, it's okay for us to evaluate and 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 once in a while sit down and go where's the wonder where's the awe have i lost something and am i just going through the motions going through the motions is a taskmaster crazy passage in mark chapter 3 jesus heals a man with a withered hand on the sabbath and the Pharisees are watching. They just want to catch them. That's what legalists do. They're so good at just going through the motions, being mechanical, that they miss the glorious moments of watching Jesus work. And he heals this man, and the Pharisees gang up with the Herodians, which they don't like each other. They never liked each other, but all of a sudden they're ganging up, and it's wrong to heal a man on the Sabbath, but it's right to get together with guys you don't like and plot to kill someone. That's what they did. God calls who's calling his people, he calls us to live in the freedom that he won for us by his mighty outstretched hand. And people of God, if you are here this morning and Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior on this side of the cross, we sang about it all morning. Our freedom has been won because Jesus paid it all on the cross. And that means that we are no longer bound to a taskmaster, but that we are free to love him and worship him 
and say, busyness, you are not going to have a hold on my life, for I'm going to set aside time where I need to be with Jesus. And when the wonder is slipping away, I will say, God, protect me from being a legalist and make me one who always delights in you and loves you. When we rest, when we behold his strong hand, here's, what we're, here's what's happening. We're refusing to be enslaved once again. We're refusing to go back to Egypt. We are remembering that Jesus Christ once and for all has forgiven all our sins. Crazy thing about the Jewish Sabbath is, well, it's not a crazy thing, it's just a thing. Uh, the, the Sabbath begins in the evening, so sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. It begins with sleep. I, I think this is kind of cool. If you think about it, when you sleep, are you in control? <laughs> not one bit, are you? Just not in control at all. S- sleeping is, a, is an act of faith. Uh, the psalmist says this in Psalm 4, 4, verse 7, I will lie down and sleep in peace, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So there's this act of being fully out of control, fully dependent on God to sustain us when we sleep. Is that, would that be accurate? Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but that happens to me. I go to sleep very fast, and then I wake up all night. <laughs> uh, 3.45 this morning, like, okay, time to get up. Uh, we're out of control. We're fully dependent on God's sustainness. We sleep because we need it, and we sleep because God ordained it. Although God never slumbers nor sleeps, we must sleep. And we sleep knowing this that God is good and that he is sovereign. The question might be, if we sleep like that, then why can't we take a day off like that, believing that he's good and sovereign? Because when you can't, what you're saying is, unless I hold this baby together, everything is going to implode. <laughs> Listen. Only God gets his to-do list done every day. Only God. And if you think you can, you will kill yourself. Ministry, work, work around the house, the lists never end. And what I'm learning in my old age is that there's always spring and there's always jobs in spring, and there's always summer, and there's always jobs in summer, and there's always fall, and there's always jobs in fall, and there's winter, and there's always jobs in winter, right? We're just like, and uh, it's like 19, 20, 20, 27, 35, 57 in two weeks. How did that happen? Just every year, same thing. Pull the weeds, mow the lawn. <laughs> Only God gets his to-do list done every day. 
I was laughing with my wife a few days ago because there was something that was so easy to do in our house, but it took me six months. Six months. And she looked at me, just shook her head. I said, I know, love. I have no excuse. I humbly repent and ask your forgiveness. And she forgave me because she loves, she loves the gospel. Isn't that good news? Listen, listen what Martin Luther said. Martin Luther said this, reform guy, old reformer. I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? Is that what we would say? This week is crazy, and so I need to Sabbath. I need to be with Jesus in his presence. I need to come to him because I am not going to be able to do it this week unless I'm with him. There's an old Puritan saying that says this, good Sabbaths make good Christians. I'm talking about a specific day, but I'm also talking about a heart attitude here. I went, I went and played nine holes last night at Langara because my wife and kids went a day ahead of me on vacation, and so I was there by myself and said, hey, let's go swing some clubs. And uh, I got paired up with some, a wonderful couple and then another guy and this guy told me that he went to church and he'd recently come back to his faith and then he uh, told me he was going golfing today, looking forward to golfing. This was a warm-up for t tomorrow, today. And, uh, and then he asked me what I was preaching on. <laughs> and I said, oh, I'm preaching on the Sabbath. And he goes, uh-oh, should I be golfing? <laughs> and I said, yeah, yeah, you should be golfing. I said, I think it's about something else, something more. It's about, it's about an attitude. It's about a day, and it's about an attitude. A heart that is still, this is the attitude, a heart that is still and knows that he's God. Remember Psalm 46? If the earth be removed from under my feet and the mountains fall into the sea, An attitude that sets aside a day and says, you are God and I'm not. Unless less you have a Sabbath heart, you will never take a Sabbath day. In our society, uh, we value busyness, we value productivity, we value observing the Sabbath, uh, not. We don't value observing the Sabbath. The Sabbath is downright wrong and countercultural. And when I say Sabbath here, I think it's important that I am not saying taking a day for yourself. I'm talking about a day to enter the rest of God to be with Jesus in his presence, to remember who he is and what he has done for you. I, I pray 
regularly, Lord, I want to say one day in your presence when I see you face to face, like Paul the Apostle, I fought a good fight. I finished the, my course and I kept the faith. I can't fight a good fight and finish my course and keep the faith if I don't have a regular day that I am before the face of God in His presence. Now, we should be before His face every day, but the reality is sometimes we get little tastes. We need a day. Even though the command was clear to rest, in Exodus 20 and in Deuteronomy 5, God's people through the Old Testament continue to reject God's call to rest. Often like us, they ignore His instruction, they worship false gods, they rebel over and over again. And despite all of this, God still provides a way to rest to Nuach, to dwell or to settle his presence with them through the sacrificial system and through the tabernacle and the temple. And as the Old Testament comes to a close, we don't see any hope for God's people to Sabbath rest in a way that God intended. See, because the Sabbath was meant to point towards the hope of future rest, and that future rest is found in the person of Jesus Christ. So John writes in his gospel, verse 14 of John 1, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He tabernacled among us in the person of Jesus Christ. He dwelled, He settled. By His Spirit, those who are in Christ Jesus, His Spirit dwells in us. And it's Jesus who says these words in Matthew eleven twenty eight: 28, come to me, here it is again, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and what does He promise? I will give you rest, rest. Again, Sinclair Ferguson, he says this, in the new covenant in Christ, with the promise of the Spirit at its center, the law is not written in our hearts again by the Holy Spirit. The law is now written in our hearts again by the Holy Spirit. In this sense, while Adam received the law from the hands of the Creator, and Israel received it from the hands of Moses, we now receive it from the hands of Jesus. The rhythm of our obedience is transformed. Unlike old covenant believers who were waiting for the day of fulfillment, it has already come in Christ. Our Sabbath day is therefore changed from the last day to the first. Since we live the whole week in light of the resurrection and the presence of the risen Christ who has given us rest. Amen. Now, we, we, we take, we set aside Sunday as our Sabbath where we, we 
gather and we remember Christ and we worship Christ. And, and I, man, I, I make a strong appeal to be one who is here as often as you can be. When you're on vacation, have a vacation to the glory of God and enjoy your time. But when you're here, be here. Because God, God wants to speak to us. God wants to, God wants to work in our hearts and use our gathering as a means of his grace in our life. But there's times where due to work and due to schedules and things where this is not available and yet we can still Sabbath rest. We can still set aside a time. It is not about a specific day. It is about a day and our heart attitude. But a question we might ask is if the day of fulfillment has come, then then why set aside a Sabbath day? And I would say this, that although Christ has come, we have yet to see the final consummation of his coming. And although we've been raised with Christ, Jesus has not yet returned. Although the power of sin has been broken over us, the presence of sin still remains. We've been set free from the power of the evil one, but we know that he is still the God of this world and he still blinds and he deceives and he tries to influence. We as God's people are living between the already Christ's death, resurrection, ascension, Pentecost, and the not yet, his return, where we will rest forever in his presence. And I'm gonna close with this. One reformer writes this. He says, although believers are bound to worship God on each day of the seven, and thus our whole life ought to be a continual Sabbath, it does not follow that a stated day in the seven should sorry, it does not follow that a stated day in the seven should not be consecrated to God. It is evident that public worship could not be performed every day, both on account of weakness of the flesh and on account of the necessity of animal life, which demands the various works of man for its conservation. The sabbatism of this life is distinguished from the heavenly, which, we, which will be perpetual and constant because we will rest from our labors, being then freed from all misery and necessity of this life. There was a garden. God settled Adam and Eve in the garden, and he rested. And there is coming a day where we will be free from all sin, all pain, all sorrow, and we will once again rest. But in between those two, we must set aside time to rest. We need to have a day, one in seven, where we can take time to be with Jesus, learn to rest with him in his presence, to hear his voice. We'd walk in his ways. Yes, we have to work, we have to do life, but a Sabbath enables us to keep life in perspective. So we're going to close. I, I was tempted to, uh, man, just, just kind of looking online regarding the Sabbath. And the things that come up the most are 50 ways to observe the Sabbath, 10 ways, 5 ways. I was tempted to give you ways the best thing I could do would say, 
why don't you make a change in your present situation and take some time to Sabbath and be with Jesus in his presence and let him tell you what to do. Yeah, let's pray. Oh, Father, this is such a gigantic topic and I didn't even slightly scratch the surface. Uh, But I pray this morning that there would be something of a fresh longing to make some changes in our life that we might set aside a day in our week to say, the sun's going to come up tomorrow and everything's going to be the same as it was today. But, but Jesus, I, I want to be with you and I want to sit at your feet and I want you to teach me and I want you to give me right perspective on my life and everything that's going on around me. I pray you'd help us to do that, Lord. And, and forgive us for or the fast pace that we have ourselves on where we, we have no time to read our Bibles. We have no time to, to set aside. We have no time to hear you. Forgive us, I pray. Help us to, to see you, to love you, to delight in you, and to be amazed at your saving grace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. listening. For more information about Midtown, please go to mtownchurch.ca.